0: You're not gonna die on the planet, Guy. I'm not? What's my last name?
1: It's I I don't know.
2: Nobody knows! Do you know why? Because my character isn't important enough for a last name. Because I'm gonna die five minutes in. Guy, you have a last name. Do I? Do I? Yes! For all you know, I just come in, number six! Baby! Baby!
0: Belly! Are we there yet? Belly! It's an alien planet! Is there air? You don't know! Seems okay. Yes, it's our last show before Christmas Day, and it is not the last show of 2021, though, because we'll do a show next week, of course. I am Michael Govier. That is Travis Roy. There is no Eric Bransham tonight. He is in a big legal battle with big pharma, big tech, a lot of big <laughs> powers. He, he sent us a text
1: telling us what he was up to. And it sounded like he was in some sort of like like holiday tr- like tr- you know, um, commute issue. Yeah, plays, trains, and automobiles. He also made some vague references to the movie The Fugitive, so he may be running for his life.
0: Um. <laughs> he did. He mentioned <laughs> Devlin yeah. <laughs> Uh Yeah, so, Eric, if you're out there, you're watching live right now. Hey, buddy. Hi. Uh, we have our guest today, though, a special guest, and he's from the Pop Goes Your World podcast. It is an excellent podcast. I first became aware of it by following One of the hosts of the show, Chris McBrien, who was a big fantasy baseball guy, but he started doing this show, Pop Goes Your World, with today's guest, Derek Myers. And it's a great show. If you love pop culture, it's right up your alley. You got the great setup with the millennial versus the Gen Xer, so you get a little bit of both worlds going back and forth. Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
3: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, always nice to get an opportunity to talk pop culture and some of my favorite movies with other movie aficionados. And um, my my partner in crime, Chris, uh, he he has a very narrow mindset when it comes to movies. If it's anything that came out after 1989, he's predisposed to hating it. Mm. So that's one of the things I love about your show is you guys love stuff from the 90s and onward. Maybe not all the time, but you at least give them a, a fair shake. So it, it's nice to be on a show where I know right out of the gate, Knowing that my movie came out after 1989, you're not going to just start off from a position saying I hate it simply because of when it came out.
1: I think we're all technically millennials, I guess. I mean, we're like that weird in-between generation, so uh, we're going to yeah. be kinder to to those movies. We saw, you know, we saw these movies when you did, probably more or less. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean,
3: I worked at Blockbuster Video in the late 90s. So oh, you're in good hey! company. I smell everything. And you guys are always calling. There was one of the shows you guys just did, and people were rhyming off their Blockbuster IDs. And I'm like, I was two zero seven two two two, And yes. I'm like, we know all our numbers. We know the, the codes. It's like, yeah. That's um, awesome.
1: Yeah, we're a special cult of people, the former Blockbuster employees.
3: The Blue and Khakis.
1: Yeah.
3: The Army of Blue and Khakis. That's true.
0: <laughs> It really was. Wow, that's universal. I mean, Derek, if you don't know, is Derek lives in Canada. So, Blockbuster, doesn't matter where it was, apparently, khakis, blue shirt with the yellow trim, of course. Of course, of course. (laughs) Today's show Derek selected, this is Derek's choice, Galaxy Quest, the 1999 film starring Tim Allen, Scorny Weaver, Alan Rickman. And we're going to find out if that holds up or not in our main course, our main event. Our co-host Eric Brancham is here. He says, "Have a great show. Good luck, Derek. Welcome to the show. Can't wait to talk about being the Ricardos next week." Aaron Sorkin definitely has some splaining to do. I haven't seen that one, so uh,
3: I heard a review this afternoon that was not kind. And as a big Aaron Sorkin fan,
1: that that hurt me to hear it. But I'm still I watched see it. it. I watched it. I'll, I'll have things to say about it here
0: in a moment. Great. I didn't know it was uh, available yet. I'll I'll definitely watch that over the break. Uh, Although, my life is always a break, so it's it's just like another week to me, actually. But, yeah, well, you know, sometimes you eat the bar. At any rate, uh, we'll talk about Galaxy Quest for our main event. We're going to cover our quarantine viewing picks as well. But first, we have a little uh, treat for ourselves. It's a little nod back to the old school days of Cinema 9. We're doing a top three. And in honor of Alan Rickman being one of the main stars of this week's selection, Galaxy Quest, we're going to do top three Alan Rickman movies. Did we agree on movies? Oh, or I just movies or performances or roles. I don't care. Yeah, It's a very fine line. Do. It's a fine line. Yeah, you could do either one of that. Uh, it was, as we get into that, though, uh, Derek, would you like to comment on your show? I know you just did 200 episodes, yeah, so you're congrats. that's yeah three hair here, here, hip hip hooray! That's hey. pretty cool, man. 200 episodes is a milestone, and you got to feel pretty good about where Pop Goes Your World is heading.
3: Yeah, we uh, we're gonna be going into our seventh year. So I mean, like like TV shows, we call them seasons now. So we just finished our sixth <laughs> season or our sixth year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're 202 episodes, I believe now. And uh, I mean, the format of the show has changed a little bit over time. I wasn't actually on the show for the first 50 or 60 episodes. Um, but I was able to join on, uh, there was a, a cast change halfway through and yeah, we pumped stuff out almost once a week. We usually do uh, a top five list of some sort, be it movies, TV, music, something pop culture related. And then we uh, we take turns recommending a movie to the other person that they've never seen before and we do a deep dive in the movie. At the end of every episode, we do a little trivia segment and we've got so many episodes done now that we actually are putting out uh, greatest hits episodes where we have, it's just the trivia parts or like shorter 20 minute shows where we do the trivia from four or five episodes and smush them together yeah. because people constantly tell us even if I haven't really seen the movie or it's it's not a topic I love. The trivia is always fun. So if you're just a, a pop culture trivia person, check out our podcast and look for our greatest hits episodes. I think we got to have about 10 of them out there now. And um, yeah, one of the, one of our features we've just started doing is um, like, we love movies from the eighties. We love music from the eighties. We love everything eighties that are on our show. So we've mm. been doing a pop culture fantasy draft of the years from the 1980s. <laughs> what, what we do is each of us picks three movies Three television shows, three mu- three musical choices, and then a personal pick that we feel is best represents our taste of that year. And then we have a panel of judges comprised of our listeners listenership, and they say who they felt drafted a better team. So so far we've only done three years from the 1980s, but we're going to keep doing that into the next year. And then after we draft a year, we we each pick a movie from that year as a sort of follow up. So so we we cover a wide variety of things. But if you're uh, if you're uh, if you enjoy 80s pop culture that's definitely a, a, a highlight of our show that we're going to continue into the next year.
0: Who doesn't love that, right, Travis? I, I love that. <laughs>
3: well, and we're big I fantasy am. sports guys, so it, it allowed us to combine... Oh, well, Travis media. loves
1: yeah. fantasy sports. Oh, yeah. he's huge. Yeah, as you were saying that, I'm like, hmm, what is a draft? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this word. He's bearded yes.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, me and Travis have known each other for decades, and uh, he's never been... I don't think we've ever had a conversation about sports that was not like making fun of it, or
1: I mean, just not making fun of it. it. I'm just, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just, you know, you know, you know, what, know what I mean. Though. I'm mystified by it as a as a cultural experience.
0: Yeah, like who cares? Yeah, oh, that's what it was. Okay, Derek, this is perfect. You'll love this. Last yeah. week I brought up the movie that's Kurt Warner movie that's coming out on Christmas Day, sure. and Who's that? <laughs> Travis Who's like, who guy? the hell's Kurt Warner? It was yeah. both him and Eric were baffled by who Kurt Warner was. Yeah, I don't
3: no, the only sport I follow is hockey because I live in Canada. Other than that, I don't know anything. And you guys were talking about it last week, and they, yeah, I was. They were like, "Oh, it's this thing on." What'd you say, is it Kurt something? And I'm like,
1: "Who the hell is that?" Let's so, see. He didn't know anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, jokes oh on God. you, buddy. Jokes <laughs> on you.
1: Look your at world me. Oh, I will say it, this: uh, Travis has been into hockey you before.
0: You yeah. have been a Wings fan at times. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm from I'm from Michigan, but you know your world is smaller than you realize. You, you know you're, you're you're in an echo chamber, Mike. <laughs> sports fanatics. <laughs>
0: Why? <laughs> Hey, all right, so let's get into the top three Alan Rickman's. We'll go from three to one, of course, because that's the way you do it. Travis, why don't you lead us off here? I know you love Alan Rickman. You've always been a fan.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've always liked Alan Rickman. Uh, I'll, I'll lead off with a couple of uh, uh, honorable mentions. I mean, Love Actually, he's not hes not my favorite performance in that, but I, I do love the Christmas movie. I know it's a divisive, very divisive movie. Yeah, he's not very likable in the movie. Uh, January Man, also, I think, is pretty good, although it's been a while since I watched it. And it's also been a couple episodes since we brought up, since we brought up John Patrick Shanley. So,
0: <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> I guess we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but I'm gonna say my number three is from 2013, it's his performance as, um, uh, Hilly, what's his name, Hilly Crystal, Hilly from uh, from CBGB, the movie CBGB.
0: Oh, I haven't seen that one.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I like the, the, the punk scene from the eighties and learning about that. And then seeing the movie was cool. And it's, it's a different performance for him. Uh, it's not, he's not playing like a posh British dude. Like he's, it's a bit more of a stretch for him. And, uh, and it's a, and it's a fine underrated movie, which I would recommend checking out CBGB.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Derek, what's your number three? Uh,
3: my number three is the Kevin Smith film from 1999 dogma. Ah, I mean, it's just I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith, and I just love the opportunity to see this movie where Alan Rickman, this proper British serious actor, has to say all the ridiculous, filthy Kevin Smith dialogue. And, (laughs) you know, he's he's uh, it demonstrates that Alan Rickman is a consummate professional. And I remember uh, one of the behind the scenes interviews, they were talking to Jason Mewes, who's uh, one half of the Jay and Silent Bob duo. And apparently in his previous Kevin Smith films, Muse had not really learned his lines very well. And Kevin Smith said, you know, the guy who played Hans Gruber from Die Hard is going to be in this movie. You better know your stuff. Cause if you screw up a scene, cause you don't know the, the words, he's going to be angry. Muse got so terrified. He memorized the whole script. He knew everybody's line by the time it came to shoot. So people respect Alan Rickman. So that, that's my number three picks dogma as they
1: should.
0: Damn right. Absolutely. It's a, uh... It's really sad that uh, I know he was 69, but he you know, felt like he was going to be around for a while longer. Still sad that we lost
2: him. Yeah, can I uh, can I give you young. a shout
3: out or an honorable mention as well? Of course. Um, so uh, an Alan Rickman film that he did not have a very big role in and maybe even wasn't amazing. But it's just one of those movies that you, you totally are not aware of. There was a 1988 film called Judas Kiss, and it's uh, it's about a kidnapping where. Um, this guy is, is insured for, I think it's like $4 million. If he gets kidnapped, the company has him insured. They just pay the ransom. So these people find out about it. And they just kidnap this guy thinking we're gonna get an easy payout. And, and of course the kidnapping goes wrong. And Alan Rickman is one of the two police detectives brought in to, uh, to try and solve the crime. And, um, it's got Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman as the two law enforcement officers. And you've got these two tremendously talented British actors who have very small roles and play characters who are from the Southern U S so they're trying to do this weird sort of <laughs> Cajun Southern U S accent and it sort of works, but doesn't work, but it's very weird to hear that accent from those performers. So again, it's not a, a fantastic movie, but uh, it's one of those ones. And if you happen to see it show up in cable or something, give it a chance. It's not bad.
0: Yeah. I've not seen that either. In fact, there's several that I going through is IMDB. I need to dive in deeper on Rickman. Uh, deeper yeah, There's stuff. a
1: couple, there's a couple I had missed as well.
0: Uh, for me number three, uh, I don't know how I didn't know how you guys were gonna approach this uh, the whole Harry Potter experience like I didn't know if you guys were gonna pick individual films from the massive series that were personal favorites of yours or not uh, for me, I don't love Harry Potter a ton, but I really enjoyed his performance in the entire series so I'm gonna do this as my own thing. number three for me is just his performance as Snape in the entire Harry Potter series. that'll be my third choice for me that's all envelop that so it's my list i get to do what i want with it
1: i mean i i I would have done the same had i chosen snape i didn't choose snape i do think that he's perfect casting for the role but i'm just not a big fan of the harry potter movies
0: i agree (laughs) i'm not (laughs) either uh what's number two for you
1: trev uh number two for me is from 2008 uh he did play kind of a more um uptight dude in this one bottle shock you watch bottle yes yeah about the wine yeah, yeah. A, a, a good wine comedy. You don't get a lot of those. In fact, there's <laughs> like two sideways. that one and yeah, sideways. And that's right. it. Yeah. These are the two. <laughs> but Bottle Shock I found to be a pretty nice movie. You know, I mean, like I I've only seen it, I think, twice, but uh it's one that I do to revisit again. And it's like, you know, it's kind of a it's not gonna blow your socks off. It's not an explosive, amazing, important performance or anything, but it's uh, one of those kind of feel good kind of movies, and I and I like to and I like to admit it.
3: And it's got Christopher <laughs> Pine before he became Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek reboot. So there's another reason
1: yep. to watch it if you are looking
3: for another reason.
0: I just want to share the premise here the story of the early days of California winemaking, featuring the now infamous Blind. Paris wine tasting of 1976 that has come to be known as Judgment of Paris. In quotation marks,
1: <laughs> it's the fucking Judgment of Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I swear, that's probably where they got the Catalina wine mixer thing from. I I could see it now. They're like, oh yeah, let's call it this. We'll just change the wording. Uh, that is pretty funny. All right, uh, back to you, Derek. Number
3: two. So I I need a ruling on this one we are here today to talk about galaxy quest galaxy quest would be my number two am i allowed to pick it or do you want me to pick it differently no no absolutely i think that for i'm sure we'll get into a lot of this but this is alan rickman playing a character who is like just so over the whole i used to be a great actor and what have i become and it's like he's making fun of people like himself who have reached a certain level of fame and notoriety who to do what they can for a paycheck or are struggling because they've been typecast. He's great in this, like the, 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 just the way that he plays a character that is so fed up, but at the same time really cares. It's it's this, it's this really great performance. I I think he's great. This is one of my reasons that I really, really love this movie. I got to take galaxy quest. My number two.
0: Hey, say it loud, say it proud. My number two is, Actually, the one you already mentioned, so it's Dogma. I love him in Dogma. He's great. He makes the movie for me. One of the reasons I have always enjoyed Dogma. So that's number two for me. Travis, we'll set it over. Number one. I consider Dogma, but every time I think of it now, I just think of him
1: flashing his cockless crotch. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, And I'm yeah. just like,
1: ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say my number one, ah, it's not a surprise. It's an obvious choice. I mean, how could I not pick fucking Die Hard? Die yeah. hard, I got to say any, any other answer is wrong. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my number one is, of course, diehard. Mine is not. That's yours, Derek. Absolutely. There was no question.
3: I thought you were yeah. just going to say, let's just strike diehard off the list and then pick our next three. And when you didn't do that, <laughs> I was like, OK, well, so we're doing a top two plus diehard. <laughs>
0: <Basically. It, laughs> I'm not trying to be contrarian. I, it's actually, I mean, diehard's all right. I'm not a huge diehard guy. And Can he's great in diehard, too. He's good. Can I Not guess you number it. one? Yeah.
1: Is it Robin Robin Hood? Yeah, yeah. thieves. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. for me. That was part of my like growing up, and that movie came out. Quoted the shit out of it all the time, and. That movie meant more to me and I just enjoy I, it's, it's a great performance nobody would argue that either in fact if he's not in the movie it's even even bigger piece of shit so oh it's unwatchable without him Oh yes <laughs> but, yes I mean I would in,
1: agree. In, in, in the Roy household two lines cancel christmas and because it's dull it will hurt worse because it's but dull yep <laughs> those you two lines <laughs> Those lines were yelled often in hallways yep. and bathrooms and whatnot. <laughs> that's
0: yeah, That's great. You, fun. 1030. You, 1045. <laughs> <laughs> bring a friend. <laughs> just, just a scumbag. He doesn't hold back. He dives all the way. Yeah, bring a friend. Uh, bring all the way man. into the world. Yeah. But he's angry about it. And bring a friend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good stuff. So, Alan Rickman, thank you for giving us wonderful entertainment over the years. And yeah, that was our you're top missed. three. Yes. You're very missed. much better. So, Let's slide into the next segment, as they say. I don't know if they say that actually at all. You <laughs> said that. I'm, I'm saying it. Yeah. Quarantine viewing picks. And by the way, some people, somebody asked me last week, like, why do you call it quarantine viewing picks? Like, well, we started, you know, in like a quarantine world, and that's very much what we call it. And I still like the term. I, I'm not trying to bring up a negative connotation or bum y'all out. It's just quarantine picked up. There was a massive increase in movie watching across the landscape, and I think it's pretty safe to say.
1: Yeah, it's when we started the podcast. It's when I mean like I was watching like 30 movies a week for a while. Yeah, I was really, I was
0: thinking of you. <laughs> I remember how much <laughs> wow. it was just movie fest for you. Were, so, were had, you unemployed or
3: perhaps yeah, had a yeah. child?
1: No, I, I I I because of covid I was no longer working. Ah, okay. So, I, I had and I wasn't leaving my house uh or doing anything else for several months. So, uh I just got really really good at watching movies. Um and I watched some movies this week. I watched a lot of in fact it reminded me a bit of the early days because I've been on vacation this week. And but also I'm kind of staying in because of Omicron. So I've you know I've watched a lot of movies. Um in particular, I watched a lot of Christmas movies, including from 2019. I watched a kind of slice of lifer called Feast of the Seven Fishes. I'm not sure I'd recommend it, but it it <laughs> exists. Uh, it's a funny name for a Christmas movie, but I guess it's based on an Italian like Christmas Eve tradition.
0: Yeah, uh, Deary's wife, Christina, she does this. The sea, yeah. the, the seafood thing, okay. Yeah. The seven a, fishes thing, yeah. Very much
1: a thing. So uh, th- that movie exists, so if you celebrate that way, then you might particularly get some joy out of this movie. It does have um, um, Joey Pants in it, and it's got, uh, what's his name, Arbu- Ray Arbuzo, who, who played Little Carmine Jr., and uh, And the movie would be significantly better if there had been a lot more of the two of them in it. But
0: uh, Here it is. Speaking of Sopranos,
1: oh. speaking of Sopranos, we should take a moment to say thank you to our sweet and considerate and thoughtful co-host and friend Eric, who sent both me and Mike a copy of the Sopranos. We're going to give the Sopranos, uh, Talking Sopranos podcast, a plug now because they need it. Uh, their their <laughs> shows uh, book woke up this morning, so thank you very much. Um, very very appreciative of that. Thank you,
0: oh, sleep man. Woke up this morning. All right, there you go. Thank you, Eric.
1: <laughs> Uh, I watched Christmas Vacation, of course. You know, what can I say about Christmas Vacation? I watched the Santa Claus 2 because i had seen the first one a million times, so I actually had uh, two, two Tim Allen movies under <laughs> yeah, my belt. Tim Allen Fest, a little bit, a little Tim Allen y, which I've seen that before, but you know, it's been a while. Um, I watched Santa Claus, the movie from 1985. Yes, with,
0: um, I brought. Deadly More
1: in Lithgow. I brought this yeah.
0: up earlier in the show, many, I many remember. months ago.
1: I remember. What did you think of it again? I don't remember what you thought of it. I,
0: st- I think I still loved it. I'll, of course, it's on record. We can listen to that episode, whatever that was. But I have no idea what episode that was. But I remember it being like, "Oh, this is weird," but I still enjoyed it. I hated it so
1: much. I mean, like, I, I'm like watching this movie, and I get, I get what their comment, where they're coming from, like trying to be anti-materialistic in 1985, like the land of the yuppies and stuff. But like, this movie was just like, you know what? Someone was like, you know what? Your Christmas movies need is like more of an attack on late stage capitalism. That's what kids want is like critiques of late stage capitalism. That's just reeks of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm ordinarily down for that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but man, uh, Lithgow's performance was fun. I mean, I'll give you that. Lithgow was always fun. Um... I watched a Christmas Carol from 2019. I prize myself on watching uh I pride myself on watching most of the Christmas Carol Christmas Carol versions. I hadn't seen this one. It was like the BBC FX version starring Guy Pierce as Scrooge. And I cannot say this loudly or clearly enough. Do not watch this fucking pile of shit. If you if you think like dark and greedy remakes that Um, give you unnecessary backstories about characters you don't care about, like is a, is a real problem with reboots and remakes. Then this is the, I mean, it's the prime example. It is just like the darkest, dreariest, most depressing thing I've ever seen ever. (laughs) It was horrible. And it's three fucking hours long. (laughs) Good Lord. Yeah. I committed to it. So don't watch that. Don't watch it. Um, and uh, let's see. I'll watch a couple more Christmas movies. I watch Batman Returns. Watch it all the time uh, for yeah. Christmas. And I watched a really sweet new Christmas romance uh, called Love Hard from this year, starring uh, Nina Dobrev and Jimmy O Yang. Who I like them both as. Like, I thought they were like really good, like actors in their early twenties. Turns out they're both like our age. They're like born in the eighties. I'm like, oh shit, these people look like infants. But um, really, kind of, it's a made for Netflix movie. It's not breaking any molds or anything but it is a sweet laugh out loud uh christmas movie with a little bit of a ridiculous premise but um i i really liked love hard which is a jam up of the of love actually and die hard as christmas movies that's like the 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 reference that they're making with that title uh uh which is kind of funny yeah yeah uh non-christmas movies that i watched i watched uh galaxy quest of course um i watched passing from this year uh, 2021 starring ruth nega who i love i think ruth nega is one of the um most underrated actresses i think she's going to get her second academy award nomination for this uh we'll see if it's if it's a win uh and Mm -hmm. tessa thompson and this is directed by rebecca hall uh boldly in her first feature taking on like some really sensitive subject matter about you know it takes place in the 1920s and it's about like two black women that one of them kind of could pass for white and the other one is passing for white. And like the conflict of that in your personal life and in your relationships and the effects that that would have. And it was a, it was a powerful movie. I I liked passing quite a bit. And, um, lastly, I'll wrap it up with my big recommendation for the week. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I watched matrix resurrections. Um, (laughs) this movie supposedly is two and a half hours long. It took me two fucking days, literally. (laughs) Took me two days to get through this movie. I watched like 10-15 minutes of it <laughs> and then I need a break and I go and do something else. Um <laughs> oh, that's terrible news. Uh I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, I, I will say, you know, some people are seeming to love it. I wish them the best. I found it to be laborious. Oh. Laborious.
2: Laborious. Uh,
1: but I I I I feel like Aaron Sorkin has no explaining to do. I absolutely loved being the Ricardos, I thought it was one of the best movies I've seen this year. I'm I'm not, I'm not, it's not displacing pig for me, um, but I think it's one of the strongest movies of the year. And it really, I think it's an important film culturally speaking, because I think that people need a reminder of the importance and uh, cultural power of, of, of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Like both of them, like they really helped shape modern pop culture. They helped shape the modern sitcom. Um, I, I think that they don't get quite the credit that's due in, uh, anymore historically speaking and I think this movie goes a long way to like trying to contextualize the, their importance and the, and the sway that they had over America's entertainment um, system so yeah I, I, I definitely I loved it I thought it was really fantastic I'm looking forward to hearing Eric bash it
0: next
2: week <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you know I guess growing up in that era they were Lucia Ball and Ricky Ricardo you know the whole Desi Arnaz situation they were like big big stars as a child to me, but they've really disappeared from a lot of mainstream discussion, I guess I mean I mean they're yeah. old now too I guess right. but yeah I, I know what you mean, I think uh all right, I'll knock mine out real quick and then we'll leave it all to Derek to have the floor. uh I watched some garbage, I'm sure and I watched some decent <laughs> movies and uh, I'm sure they were all wonderful. Uh, what did I watch? I, did, I watch? did this thing where I didn't write it down this time. So, <laughs> oh, oh boy, like the whole we week's are. a blur. It's like, where was I? Who am I? No. <laughs> what I do remember clearly, I watched The Last Duel. How was the... it? <laughs> oh,
3: the Last Duel's good. been...
0: <laughs> yeah, The Last Duel's been shit on by Society, although it has an excellent IMDb rating of like 7.5. So funny. the people who do watch it are rating it well. It's a really bizarre movie. You got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck trying to be late 1300s Frenchmen. And it's actually has something in common with Prince of Thieves. It's funny we mentioned that because <laughs> that's the same kind of vibe I got from them trying to act out like as these French noblemen and vassals and they're like trying to put on an accent sometimes and then other times it's like who cares and ben (laughs) affleck as the you gotta google ben affleck's look in this movie he's got a like a bleached blonde goatee like chin tee and this dumb haircut that is bleached blonde i've never seen ben affleck look like this in a movie it's it makes me laugh when i think about it and it's long it's like two hours and 40 minutes so if you don't like that you're not gonna like it and oh man, also... they both have really stupid hair. <laughs> oh yeah, they do. Yeah, David's mullet in this. I don't, Derek, I don't know if you've seen this yet either. It's the stupidest haircut. Uh it's supposed to The thing about this movie is supposed to be historically accurate. It's based on a true story of one of the last fights to the death, one of the last duels to the death in France, supposedly. And there's even attempts to show Paris as accurate as it is in the late 1300s with like the uh the Notre Dame Cathedral being worked on in a way that it would have been worked on at that time. Like, these details of historical accuracy, but then, like, the everything else isn't at time. It's just a bizarre movie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It's strange. I, I would recommend watching it, actually, but I'd like to see what other people think of it. It's not like a total disaster, but uh, I don't know. That's all I could say without going into more detail about that.
2: All so. right that it?
3: That's your only one?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I watched something else, but I mean, who cares? But
3: You didn't didn't do your homework, so we're going to just move on, right? Yeah, I don't even know what day it is.
0: Who am I? What does it matter? Jackie Chance, who am I? Oh, jeez, yeah. Who are you? Jackie Chance? Who am I? I've never seen that. he's up on the
1: mountaintop. Who am I? Come on. It's when he he goes down the the giant building in, uh, I think, Rotterdam. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. blockbuster
3: staple in the late 80s come on yeah (laughs)
0: good stuff wow what a difference blockbuster (laughs) video uh yeah Yeah. i think uh besides the last duel i i want to just double check my list here oh i watched a tick tick boom how was that i've been meaning to watch it it's uh it's definitely a musical it's definitely for drama kids and musical theater lovers you'll love this movie Andrew Garfield is outstanding. He really... I didn't know he could sing this well. I don't know if it's... It is him. I don't know how much of it is produced. And, you know, they can do anything these days. But it's a pretty solid film. And uh, I don't love musicals all the time. But I enjoyed this one. I also learned a lot about a guy I didn't know much about. Jonathan Larson, who the story is about. Who wrote Rent, the famous uh, play. Uh, And I didn't know a lot about the background about him. And what happened with the show and all this stuff. So... Uh, I recommend it tick tick boom rock solid film rock solid and then uh, I did watch the uh, get back I said I'd watch it and I did watch get back and I thought it was okay you know, I, I, I trudged through the whole thing and really just okay yeah I wasn't like blown away at there's a lot of times where it's just like was so uh, it wasn't as interesting to me I'm just like I'm sitting here watching these people do the thing and
1: yeah it, it, it was
0: it was dragged a bit
1: it needed about two hours cut out of it honestly i mean like six six hours would have been plenty i think um i know, agree a two-hour two film would have been too short but i do think that there are moments where it's like okay yeah i do kind of feel like i'm sitting while well, someone else is at work like i'm yoko just sitting here watching <laughs>
0: <the people> work. <laughs> that's it that's perfect that was, yeah, that's the best way to sum it up couldn't say it better myself uh have you seen get back Derek?
3: Not yet. It's on my watch list. Uh, my wife is a huge, huge Beatles fan. Me. I'm sort of like, I came to the Beatles very later in my life. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I like them. I enjoy them, but they're, their, you know, factor just never really hit with me. I, I, I certainly enjoy their music, but sure. I'm not the big fan that a lot of people are, especially a lot of people, my age group and older are just like, ah, oh, the Beatles. I'm like, you know what? Give me the Foo Fighters all day long. The Beatles, <laughs> they're good. So,
0: yeah, I respect him. I'm with you there. Uh, that's how I'll leave it. Uh, yes, two hours less would have been beneficial. I agree, Travis. That's a good call. But uh, there you go. That's what I watched. And I will say this, though, when we do the next show, I guarantee I will have my thoughts on licorice pizza. It's my top priority. I'm going to go out there. I'll wear three masks. I don't care what it All takes. Right. I want to see licorice pizza very badly. I'm very excited for that. So Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, Looking let's go see it together. Me and you. Come on. I'll yeah. bring a 12-pack of Cherry Coke Zero. yeah that's how i get you all right let's turn it over to derek now derek this is your chance to tell us what you've been watching what you'd like to recommend the floor is yours
3: okay so uh here in canada around this time of year they always give us uh free channels through our cable provider in an attempt to get us to buy them for the rest of the year and so we have this movie package where there's four channels one's dedicated to movies from the 70s the 80s the 90s and the 2000s And what I usually do is I just set up my recorder and I record a ton of stuff that I haven't seen in a while or I've never seen before. So I got a chance to go back and and visit or revisit a couple of classics. But I got a few on the list I'd never seen before that I finally got a chance to see. The first one is the movie All That Jazz. You guys seen this one? It's from, I I think, 78, 77, somewhere in that neighborhood. It's got Roy Schreider, the guy from Jaws. He was nominated Mm -hmm. for an Oscar it it's a story of Bob Fosse directed by Bob Fosse It's fantastic. Oh. I'm not a big musical guy, but the dance sequences, the choreography, this movie was great. I watched it and sort of went, how did have I never seen this before? It was fantastic. I, I can't recommend, can't recommend that one more strongly. It was great. Even if you're not like, eh, I'm not a song and dance musical, trust me, give it 30 minutes. And if you're not in love with it, then just turn it off. But I think most people will realize that far into it. They're like, I need to know where this is going. It was fantastic. I got a chance yeah. to revisit a, a classic that I have seen many times before. Another musical, the Rocky horror picture show. I hadn't seen it I've in a while.
0: Still never seen that by the way. I've never, yep. I know all about, it. I feel like I've seen it because it's been so kind of redone and discussed in pop culture, but I've never actually sat down and watched it.
3: No, I got a chance to go down uh, sit down and watch it again. I was pleasantly surprised at how many of the music musical numbers and songs I actually remembered all the words to. So I'm sort of watching it and singing it along, which again, I don't, I, two musicals in one week is, is very uncharacteristic of my mu- movie habits, but there we had that. Mm-hmm. Then of course, with the new matrix coming out, all the other ones have been on TV. So I had to watch the first one again. I happened to sit down right as it was starting. And I thought, well, I'll just watch the first half. Oh, I'll just watch the next 20 minutes. Oh, I'll just watch the next. And the next thing I know, I've watched the whole movie. So You can't say enough good things about the original Matrix film. It's fantastic. It holds up. It's so good on so many levels. Not two and three. Uh, Two has its moments. Three is pretty weak. I actually want to rewatch three before I go and see part four this weekend. And I'm not looking forward to my part three rewatch. But I figure if I don't, (laughs) I might not get enough out of part four. So I'll do my part. Um, I had a chance to watch an 80s movie classic that I had never, ever, ever seen before. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai,
2: which also has
3: Lithgow. We were just talking about Lithgow. I'd never seen it. I knew very little about it. And it has this fantastic cast. And it's got this huge cult following. And I was very disappointed that I didn't think it really held up. I had a hard time really understanding why so many people love Buckaroo Banzai as much as they do. But
2: now I I can say I've
3: seen it. And that was sort of my, my goal is if nothing else, I want to be able to at least cross it off my movie list and say, I've seen Buckaroo Banzai and now I can.
1: As a cinephile, sometimes that's the only reason. To well, that was
3: all that jazz. That was exactly, I thought, yeah. well, I'll watch all that jazz. Come on. It's a classic. And I, right. That one I really enjoyed. Um, we went out and saw the new Spider-Man movie. I, I won't say anything really about it spoiler wise, because I know some people haven't seen it and there are a lot of things that potentially can get spoiled in this. So if you are a fan of the MCU or a fan of the Spider-Man movies, a Tom Holland or, or any of that stuff, I strongly encourage you to go see it. And the internet will ruin things for you if you haven't seen it, if you don't see it soon. So if you are interested, I encourage you to see it soon. Yeah, I'm running
0: out of time. Yeah, you yep. should get on it.
3: Um, and then uh, I saw... so. Tony Scott and Ridley Scott are two of my all-time favorite movie directors. Tony Scott, even I, I have him in slightly higher regard than Ridley Scott. Mm. Um, R.I.P. Tony Scott. I got a chance to watch the movie Domino, which I had never seen before, uh, loosely based on a real life story about the supermodel who becomes a bounty hunter. And it was decent. It, it You could really see that it was sort of him learning how to do things and setting himself up for Man on Fire, which is my all-time favorite Tony Scott film. So Domino, very stylistic. It was decent. Again, had a big cast. A lot of people, you're like, you know, a lot of who, a lot of like that guys, you're like, oh, I know who that is. Um, Again, not, not amazing, amazing, but decent. And then uh, finally, I, I, I watch a lot of documentaries. I had a chance to watch a documentary called Paper and Glue. It was on CNN. Um, I think it was done, if I remember correctly, by uh, Ron, I want to say Ron Howard's production company was one of the executive producers behind it. That may not be entirely true, but it was some big famous person behind it. And I'll just read you the quick synopsis of this one. It's uh, so it's called paper and glue. And the the description says using unexpected canvases, uh, JR, who is the artist um, intent is to give a global voice to everyday people through a genre blending combination of public art, photography, and large format spectacles. Basically what he does is he's a photographer, takes pictures and he turns his pictures into these giant, posters that are like 100 feet by 120 feet. And he pays them on the side of a building, mm-hmm. but he does it in such a way to, um, to bring attention to various social issues and, and people who don't have a voice. And, uh, it was fascinating just to see, uh, see how this thing came together. Uh, it, it, it's not in tremendous wide release right now, but, um, the IMDB score is 8.8 8 out of 10. Now it doesn't have a lot of voters, but when something rates that high, it's usually worth a watch. So paper and glue is a documentary strongly recommend that one. So Got a lot of movies under my belt this week. I have also been on vacation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Good time to watch movies. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. All right. Thank you, Derek. There it is. Those are the movies that people have watched on the show that you are absorbing right now. Whether it's live on YouTube, which you can sub our YouTube channel, we welcome that. As we head into 2022, always looking for more subs. And Spotify is now rating, and it's live. So you can rate our show five stars on Spotify by just clicking on the The little star there below the description—it really happened, Travis. You were right, and it's here already. So it's an exciting time for everybody here. Rate us five. Big deal. It's a big deal. It is. So
1: so please do rate us five stars. So far, not enough people have rated us for it to even show up. um, What? From what I can tell. So uh, please uh, Mm. help us out. Get on there.
0: That's a load of crap. Mm. I uh, I am on my phone right here, and I have rated our show, and I've rated Pop Goes Your World five stars, Derek. Just so you know, right here. Thank you, sir. There it is. There's a, oh, yep. Boom. Done. I did it. Nice. Yay. All Pop goes right. world. Yes. If you're listening to the podcast, you have no idea what's happening. And I'm sorry for that. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to our main event now. Live here with Derek Myers from the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Me and Travis and Derek are going to talk about Galaxy Quest, the 1999 film. Starring Alan Rickman, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, and a host of others. Does it hold up or not? Well, we'll find out at the end of this segment. How did I come to this? Not again. I played Richard III.
2: Five curtain calls. There were five curtain calls. I was an actor once. Damn it, now look at me. Look at me! I can't go out there, and I won't say that stupid line one more time.
1: I can't. I won't.
2: Well, Alex, at least you had a part. Okay? You had a character people loved. I mean, my TV Guide interview was six paragraphs about my boobs and how they fit into my suit. No one even bothered to ask me what I do on the
3: show.
1: You had the... Wait, wait, I'll think
3: of it. I repeated the computer, Fred.
0: Whew! Your commander is on deck. Ha <laughs> ha! Wow, that smog is thick today, huh?
3: Am I too late for Alexander's panic attack? <laughs>
0: Apparently not. You know, you should get that looked at. ha! <laughs> Travis. Do you remember the first time you saw this film? Take us back in time. I I do remember. So this movie, uh, we
1: may not be doing a Christmas movie uh, this year, this episode, but it did come out on Christmas Day in 1999, and uh, I did not see it in theaters. In fact, I don't think a lot of people saw it in theaters. To have a Christmas Day release and have it be, um, what would you call it, original intellectual property was a uh, kind of a bold choice but this movie has uh definitely grown in terms of uh g- gathering a huge cult following following i wouldn't say it was a bomb or anything but it it like it came and went from theaters but by the time it came out in uh on video i was working at blockbuster at the time so i watched it you know the week before it actually came out and fucking loved it and talked it up to people and uh, a lot of people watched it that i know and a lot of people that i know enjoyed it and this seems like to me, it's really a surprise that this is the only one of these we got for, for the um, affection people seem to have for this movie.
0: Hmm. Okay. What about you, Derek? Do you remember the first time you saw this movie?
3: uh not specifically uh i'm sure i saw it in the theater because around that time uh, again i also was working at blockbuster video my wife was working at uh uh one of the record store competitors so between her ability to buy things through, I'd sell through very cheap and my ability to get free rentals we watched everything and we were going to the movies all the time again young people a little bit of disposable income we finished school we were still working retail to pay down some student debts and so we, we saw everything. So although I don't specifically remember seeing the theater, I remember seeing it when it came out. And just, uh, just like Travis said, we would talk it up to our friends. We would talk it up to the customers wh- where we worked and so many of our friends and so many of the people we know were Star Trek fans and Star Wars fans and, and fans of the kind of thing that this mm-hmm. is, is sort of parodying or making a comment about in both good and bad ways that people were willing to give it a chance, whether they were super duper Star Trek fans that wanted to see it, as an homage or whether they were people that just detested a science fiction television show and couldn't wait to see someone make fun of it. It sort of hit <laughs> both notes simultaneously and it gave everyone a reason to check it out. And I do remember a lot, like everyone in my peer group loved it. I, I remember buying a, a copy on DVD as soon as it came out. This is on constant replay in my house, not so much lately, but when it first came out, very memorable, lots of good quotes Whenever it comes on cable, we certainly watch it no matter where it is. Uh, This is one of my all-time faves. Love it.
0: Yeah, well, I kind of remember it coming out, but I never saw it. This was my very first viewing of this film. Oh, really? So, Derek, yeah, you exposed me to Galaxy Quest for the first time. I've been inundated with a lot of YouTube videos about this movie, so I actually have seen a few scenes before I actually saw the whole film because there is a lot of content based on this film and it's a it's a spoof but it's not uh, you know it's a lot of things going on here all at once and we'll discuss all of that as Eric likes to say later in the show which will be in like a couple minutes (laughs) but first uh IMDB score Derek did you look up the score Travis did you guys look up the score so I I did
3: but I knew you were going to ask me this so uh, before I looked on the page I I sort of picked a number so (laughs) the number I picked I thought it was going to be a 7.1 that was my guess before I looked.
1: Hmm. I'm going to guess that I don't think it's going to be in the sevens. Um, I do think it's beloved, though. I'm going to say six. I, I've, I've said six point nine. So most lately I'll say six point eight. Six point eight.
0: Yeah, I think there should be a six point six. That's my guess. What's the answer, Derek? I think it was 7.3 if
3: I remember correctly. Right. Wow. 7.3, yeah. Wow. I remember thinking the same as you guys. It's probably high 6, low 7. I thought, I'll go on the high side 7.1 and then I saw it was 7.3 and I was very pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah, that's a little higher than I would have guessed. That's, that's Yeah. yeah. That,
1: All
3: right.
0: The critics love this. 90% from the critics. They love this film So for a lot of reasons. <laughs> Audience a little less, 79, but still an excellent score. Nothing to be ashamed of, Galaxy Quest. Good job. <laughs> As far as critical reviews individually, I'm sure that some people had some good things to say. Cause like we said, 90% is very high. Uh, Lisa Schwarzbaum of entertainment weekly gave it a, a minus with no commentary. So that is not useful to anyone. I'll move on from that. <laughs> Whoops. Got a that Roger one. Ebert
3: review there. His is yeah. usually,
0: uh, Oh, Nelly. I got a good feeling. Roger's going to be, uh, chiming in on this one. This is in his prime, right? Um, hoping maybe Destin will show up for this one. It'd I haven't seen nice. Goody Coons either, Travis. No Goody Coons this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know Goody Coons, uh, De- uh, Derek? Do you know Goody Ol- Coons? Only from when
3: you guys talk about it on your show. <laughs> Otherwise, I have no I have no context outside of your show. For all uh... I know, that's a person you guys went to school with. Like, I have no idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's his first <laughs> name again? Craig? Bill. I believe it was Bill. Bill, yeah, Bill, Bill Goody Coons of the Arizona oh, something. Goody he works Coons in Arizona. is one
3: name? I thought it was a woman. Goody Coons. Goody Coons.
0: Nope. <laughs> Is,
1: that's, that's why we're so amused by it. It's his last there we name. we go. TIL,
3: we, today I learned.
1: We get a big <laughs> chuckle
0: out of people's surnames. I guess. Oh, god, yeah, They're so funny. Wow. Uh, Roger Ebert said the movie's humor works best when the illogic of the TV show gets in the way. Okay. So and the. Did he
3: give it a number of stars out. Of, he usually gives a four star rating, right? Like,
0: yeah, three out of four stars. There three we out of that's four. pretty
3: respectable from Roger Ebert.
0: Absolutely, it is. The logic gets in the way. Interesting. Tom Long of the Detroit News, our local paper, said, A big, dumb piece of fun that will do little for your heart or intellect, but will undoubtedly leave you laughing. (laughs) Thank you for the demonstration. I had to laugh, yeah.
3: Oh, that was laughing? Sorry, I wouldn't have known if you hadn't have laughed.
0: Oh, I'm trying to laugh like the aliens.
3: You got to do the clapping.
0: You know, sometimes uh, What's-His-Face would, like, dive more into, like, this alternative accent slash I'm an alien trying to talk like a human thing. And then other times it would pull back. It was, like, more wispy, like, that he would lose that part of it. It was weird. It kind of showed up half the time. But, uh. That's not important to the movie. Uh, Mick LaSalle said this movie is more than one joke or one idea. It's a thoroughly satisfying comedy and a respectable space adventure as well. So what do you say to that?
1: I agree. I think that, yeah. I think that's I think the that's movie's fair. main strength is that, yeah, it's like a spoof slash homage, but it's also a genuinely like good action flick. Like there's, you know, there's real stakes and, and all that going on. So, uh, yeah, I think that hits the nail on the head pretty well.
0: Yeah, I, I'll i tell you this. As a first-time viewer, it's always weird because this movie's 20-plus years old now. I had a hard time getting into it. It starts off to me like so typical. You were commending, Derek, Alan Rickman's performance in this movie earlier in our Alan Rickman Top 3, and... To me, it was just like tired. Oh, okay, these are actors who are disappointed with their lot in life, and this roles that they hate, and they're doing these dumb conventions. And it's all clearly Star Trek tribute stuff. Obviously, right. they're Trekkies or Questies or whatever they're calling them.
2: <laughs> Westarians.
3: Westarians. Exactly. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I got it right. Okay, and so buying into the movie early on, I was like, uh, it was really a hard time for me. I wasn't laughing. I didn't think it was funny for the first twenty minutes or so. But then once they shoot over to the This guy realizes he goes to space and comes back when he gets sucked up by the goo and he gets shot off into the universe. I had a I had a good laugh at that, and I was impressed by the fact that they tried to make it real. Like he he was terrified that when he came back, everybody, you know, that would scare the fuck out of you if you were shot off into oblivion.
1: (laughs) That was the laugh of the movie for me. Was was him like landing next to his pool and like quaking with fear at the existential Fright of what he just experienced.
3: <laughs> well, and a few minutes later, when the rest of the cast show up and the aliens are in their real form and they're freaking out, and then they change back into they're like, "Oh, sorry, our devices weren't turned on." <laughs> yeah. They look like, and then Tony Sluope shows up and he's like, "What? What's going on?" And then uh Sam Rockwell's <laughs> character, like, just freaks. Ah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nothing phases. True, right? like, yeah, yeah, nothing phases Fred, but Guy is always feeling he's gonna die. That's funny too. But I guess the point there for me is. They really wanted to lay it on thick, like how cynical they all were. So yeah. when you do end up back at the pool, like you said, Travis, after he comes back from space, it's such a, a reverse. It's such an absolute flipping upside down of his world. And he buys into it pretty quickly. So I, I guess as a as from a writing standpoint, I, I see that being useful, that it would probably make sense to probably not change anything related to that.
1: Yeah. I also think um, another real strength of this movie is, is that it you know it handles a group well it's a really good ensemble film you're introduced to a, like a quite a few different characters on uh you know from both from galaxy quest and that from the show the actors and then the aliens and then you know one or two of the villains and uh, there's a lot juggled and the, these characters are all pretty unique and they have their own little stories and their own little things. Each one's kind of got their own their own thing going on. Some of them we spend more time with than others. But I think the movie does a really good job at handling a large group of people and making us care and be entertained by all of them and giving them, giving them their all, all their due for the most part.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm a a big fan of the Star Trek franchise and we always talk about that when we're doing various uh, storytelling and it's like, you know, you have some episodes where all the cast are featured and they're not always that great. But then, you know, when you're doing 20 shows a season, you have. Uh, a Data episode, a wharf episode, a Captain Picard episode, where you focus mainly on just one character, so you can tell a stronger story. And I think that was the real potential challenge here. The real risk was that they were just going to focus on Tim Allen's character as the captain yeah. or the the commander they call him. Yeah. Uh, but no, I agree with you. I think that this was this was an ensemble. You know, it was the equivalent of an ensemble episode of the show, kind of thing where everybody had something to do. Everybody everybody's role in the story felt important and necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, except for Sigourney Weaver, but that's the whole joke is that she doesn't have anything useful to contribute. But from a story point of view, they, they even made that uh, interesting part of the story. So no, I think, I think the, the way they worked the ensemble together was great.
1: Yeah. They took the fact that she has nothing to do and, and turned it into the strongest critique of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. It was brilliant.
0: Ah. Oh. Oh, that's a, okay. I hadn't thought about all, it like all, that. Yeah, her
1: only job is to repeat the computer, talk to the computer, and have her cleavage out. Yeah. and and like, and on one hand, it's like, okay, you're kind of playing into it, but like she, the way that she handles it, the fact that she is a sci-fi queen, uh, I think that you know these things combined really helped like make it a, a meta point
2: here.
3: Well, she's got that
1: great scene where she says, "I only have one job on this thing, right. and it's a
3: stupid job, but I'm still gonna do it." <laughs> it's like, you know, that's, that's exactly what these performers were given. Right. Or, or performers in roles like this, it might yeah. be a stupid movie. It might have crazy, ridiculous dialogue that makes no sense. But when you're a performer, you need the, you need the job, you need the experience, you need the exposure. So you take what's given and it's, you know, it's not necessarily their place to, to critique it in the moment. It's just, you do what you do. And I think again, yeah, I think exactly what you said about her, her character and the, the spotlight they put on her is, is
0: perfect. This is also this is a Stan Winston movie and so it's a comedy and it's a spoof and it's an action adventure and then it's really well done set yeah. pieces, makeup, and I mean Saris looks awesome, man. He looks so good. Yeah, that is you, one of I, I didn't even know out. I didn't know it was a Stan Winston thing at all coming into it. I was like, "Whoa, this is cool."
1: Yeah, and Saris played by uh Robert Sack. We should give a shout out to the late Robin Sack.
0: Oh, that's who it was. I was trying to think. I'm like, is I know Sacks. this voice. Is it Sachs or
1: Sack? I'm sorry, I honestly uh, don't
0: know. It's
1: Sacks Robin Sachs. Is a, Robin Sachs? Uh, he's a yeah. He's a he was a voice performer an actor, an Englishman, and a good friend of a friend of ours, uh, two friends of ours, Barb and Diane Morrissey. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Which is the only reason I would be aware of the guy. Otherwise, to be honest with you, because he spends most of his time on in film behind masks. Um, and that no kind of stuff. But he, but he did hey. a really good job of service.
0: Yeah. Hey, Barb and Dye, if you guys ever listen to the show, uh, yeah. hello. Yeah. Uh, they're a huge movie, yeah, movie buffs. Um, yeah, So, but that, it all doesn't look terrible. In, this is 1999, so some of this is CGI, like the little... Cute little alien-looking people when they go down on the planet to do the surface mission, and then they're they end minors, up being these f-
3: miners, <laughs> <laughs> <Like, laughs> yeah, Man, we quote co- yeah. this movie has so many good lines and quotes that that's one that we use all the time. Whenever there's a news story about like actual miners, like coal miners, my wife and I turn to each other and they go, "They're miners, not miners." Or anything where they talk about underage kids and they say, "And then the miners did this." So that's just a line that <laughs> never gets old, never goes away. It's never not funny.
0: Yeah, th- but that that's true. That's a good one. But there's also the CGI looks pretty decent. It doesn't look terrible to me.
2: Uh, Except the so rock.
1: Uh, I think the rock monster looks Yeah, terrible. okay.
0: Uh, yeah. He, he looks, looks like that. something out of a PS1 game. You yeah, probably right about get, that.
1: But other than him, yeah, I think that the CGI and the practical effects mix pretty well here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if, in the So this movie has an ending that is so it's so riddled with like it's so meta on top of meta. It's too meta to even like function because (laughs) they crash back into the real world. It's not a TV show into a con, into like a comic con, a Trekkie con, a questarian con. Yeah. And then they all Uh, come uh, out one by one being introduced. They've just saved this alien race. They've saved people's lives. They've saved the galaxy maybe. And and then it's just like back to business. Like nothing ever changed. So the audience buys all of it. They're all cheering. And when, Jim Allen and Sigourney Weaver make out like, oh, woo, romance. It's just uh, it's so many layers going on in that yeah. ending that uh, you could we could spend a whole show just talking about that. It's pretty uh, it's pretty impressive to probably pull that
2: off.
1: He kills a sentient being in front of a lar- large audience and they all just laugh. Like they don't think to themselves. How did this clearly uh, living organism, this bipedal thing just vanish once he shot it? Where did it go? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Well, I assume they
3: all thought it was just part of a staged thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's it's just it's ridiculousness. And and of course, he does the rolling before he shoots at the end. The whole thing does the rolling help? Yeah, it
1: does. <laughs> but it doesn't because he loses his gun. Right. Yes. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. There's everybody always gets, so
0: many nods. Yeah.
1: And everybody gets an uh, like every like everybody gets their send up. You know, Captain Kirk gets his send up. Uh, you find a way to get your shirt. You know, to lose your shirt. Um, acting as a, and Hollywood gets a send up uh geekdom gets a send up the the actors themselves on the other side get get a send up it's uh you know everyone but it's it's all done fairly lovingly you know which is the key point here it's not it's like it's not making fun of this this is not like a a mockery right
3: right yeah i mean it it yeah exactly um It does take itself seriously, at least seriously enough to sort of make its point. And it's not that tongue in cheek, wink, wink, look at us. Aren't we clever? It's uh, I mean, there's a little of that sort of meta going on, but that's that's part of the whole thing of fandom is fandom, And that's part of the reason I I suggested this movie for this for this show is fandom is fandom. And and the fact that this is sort of a send up of nerd fandom from the late 90s, which is, uh, you know, a critique of the, the fandom from the 80s and 90s it definitely still holds true to this day, if not more so. Like, look at how big and commercial an event like the San Diego Comic-Con has become. Like, it went from a literal comic book show with a few comic people having panels to now, it's like, that's where you launch stuff. And and it's just grown exponentially. And I'm not saying that this movie is the reason for that, but I think that this movie came out at a time where there was a clear uh, uh, indication that it was starting to grow. And I think that it was sort of the right movie, the right time, the right idea. I think if this movie had come out five years earlier, it probably wouldn't have done as well. And I think if it had come out five years later, it might not have hit the mark as accurately because I think sort of that Hmm. fandom would have been too much. So it was sort of, it sort of fell right into its own sweet spot. And I think it that's, I think that's part of the reason it has lasted as long as it has. I
1: think
0: that's a good point. That's fascinating. You're right. The, The absolute explosion mcu and comic cons all over the country and uh, you know cosplaying it's been huge over the last 20 years and are we this movie comes at a time where it does fit in to be like wow hey maybe this really did play a role into that whole realm it's it was hard not to think of it now when you're watching this movie and it's so based in that culture it just seems like it was run of the mill back then but you know there were trekkies were they were known thing back then in the nineties, but, but, but they were like
1: distinct. As yes. Yeah. Like we were, yeah. we were they aware were. of them because of their conventions in a way like, yes. wow, these people still care about this TV show from 30 years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. And they were
0: ridiculed in a way too. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that many years before this, where you had things like the Saturday night live sketch where William Shatner's like, you know, move out of your parents' basements. Have you ever kissed a girl? Like that yeah. was the joke was let's make fun of these people for being super fans. And this movie comes out at a time where there's starting to become a little more acceptance of being a fan of a of a niche uh, franchise or a science fiction or whatever you might be, and then and like today, people <laughs> are fans of absolutely everything. Oh, yeah. Like you it's can meet, meet one guy bit. who says I'm a Star Trek fan, the next guy says I'm a My Little Pony fan, the next guy says I'm a movie I'm a horror movie fan. And it's like, but you can all enjoy your thing and and respect other people for having their own their own fandom and. This movie, when it came out, there was still sort of a little bit of a stigma around this where like, I like I'm a big Dungeons and Dragons nerd. I played Dungeons and Dragons for 40 years and I have a buddy that I went to high school with who was an, is still an in the closet gamer. Like he doesn't want the people that he met in his adult life at his job or that he met when he went to school to know he's a a Dungeons and Dragons player. Even when he started dating his wife, he told us, do not mention the fact that we play D&D anywhere near her and it, cause he was embarrassed. He felt that this was this, this thing to be ashamed of, to have this, this, this love of some nerdy something or other, but today mm. that that's just not the case. And, and so again, when this movie came out in 99, it was sort of, it was right on that cusp of, do you tell people that you're a big star Trek fan? Oh, I love it. I love next gen. I've seen all the movies. I've seen all the original series. Or are you just like, yeah, I'm a movie guy. So I'll go see this. Like it, it was sort of an interesting, an interesting, you know, sweet spot at the time.
0: I would also... Now, this is something I did think about. Fan service has exploded. The MCU being one of the leading charges of this. Star Wars even, too. A lot of fan service in film. And it's something... Uh, I've had several discussions with different people from different points of view on it. Some people love it. Other people think it's... Uh, it's like, why are we being so sycophant-like in our movie-making. Other people think it's cool that the fans have more control or more say, you know, the the Snyder Cut, things like that. Um, and maybe this movie is partly to blame because the whole Justin Long character and the yeah. whole sequence that you see at the beginning, like you mentioned, Derek... He gets chastised, he'd get a life, but then they need him and tell him how real it very much is. And, and by the way, when he goes out to throw away the trash in a life or death scenario, that was funny too. <laughs> taking out the trash.
1: I think he does a really good job, <laughs> Justin Long, in this role. It's a small role, yeah, he but does. No, very very believable. Yeah. This would be the first I lo- time I would have seen him, I'm sure. Yeah, it was ugly for me.
3: The, uh, the scene where uh, where he's running out with the, the Roman candles and the parents are like, what are you doing? And he explains it. And then the, the dad just looks <laughs> to the mom and goes, well, at least he's going outside. Mm-hmm. So again, it's still that. Even in the movie, you have people making fun of these right. fans. So again, right. I think that says a lot about the time and when the movie came out.
0: and Susan now, from Seinfeld course, is the mom, by the way.
1: She, that's right. I knew she looked familiar. Good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, now things have completely 180 reversed and fandom defines pop culture now. I don't know if you guys saw this. A viral image going around lately of uh, it's a you know. A conversation that was from am I the asshole on Reddit it was like this kid like complaining like am I the asshole because I don't want to get into Marvel movies and Harry Potter and Star Wars and all the shit that my parents are cramming down my throat like every picture every event every holiday is centered around some fictional story and I have to like wear some fucking costume to like just have Thanksgiving and I was like damn like, like you know there's a whole generation of kids being raised that are like Jesus fuck enough with the fantasy and the sci-fi and the comic book shit, because, and like where for us it was like, so in '99 when this came out, like this was a big, like this was like like something that tr- that was both kind of making fun of sci- sci-fi, but also like genuinely good sci-fi was pretty rare. Like it was still rare in '99.
0: That's a great point. That's a really good point.
3: But also in 99, you have The Matrix, which is is definitely like a huge step forward for the science fiction genre changes. And and so, again, you have this movie being this sort of uh, tongue in cheek homage action comedy, which which is saying its own it's giving its own message. It's got its own thing to say. And then, you know, within uh, I think The Matrix came out like in. March or April. Like it was much earlier in 99, but within that same calendar year, you have the matrix, which is just like, Hey, sci-fi movies can be awesome and, and, and be more than just let's shoot lasers or fight robots. And, uh, and again, it's like, they really, the matrix just reset the bar for what sci-fi can be. And this movie really shines a spotlight on how fandom can, you know, what fandom can be in the most positive ways.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. that. Uh- that, you guys explained it quite well because I've thought about that for a lot of minutes last night. Surprisingly, and uh, I, I'm not going to blame one movie for any situation that Hollywood no. finds itself in, anyway. So that's well said. Um, uh, what else? Uh, what else is so great about this movie that I'm missing? I mean, it's a comedy, it's an action adventure, it's slapstick in moments. The dialogue's goofy. You got great, great side characters in this with Sam Rockwell playing Guy, yeah. like you said, Tony Shalhoub.
1: Yeah. I think the two of them go a long way. Yeah. In, in this movie and that again it goes into the the casting it's not just the uh the fact that it's an ensemble film and that you have these memorable characters they they they're, they were really smart about their casting i mean this and green mile uh were a big year, it was a big year for sam rockwell but he had been doing a lot of stuff in the indie scene before this for for like a decade and uh and and really had his chops tony shalhoub i mean by the even by 99, he, he I mean, I don't, I don't think Monk was on the air yet, but he pretty much established himself as like, oh, he's this guy is like, he's a great character. Like, people were starting to learn his name even by that point, you know. Um, yeah. so, he had been in Wings for what five
3: seasons before this, yeah. So, I mean, he Wings. was a known commodity,
1: yeah. <laughs> but I think that he, like, in I think that he had really um branched out. Like, I don't think he was, at yeah. this point, he wasn't thought of as the as a dude from Wings no, League, no, not a, no, I agree, I agree, yeah. Um, so. I think that the, the really strong acting and these characters both in, these two in particular I think are are really really funny. Almost every quote that I wrote down was a, was a line from Guy. I mean, oh, like, just he has the best lines constantly through the movie. Just, just 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 and even just his oh that's not right. This his delivery <laughs> of stuff is 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 just so great. And then um, is Tony Shalhoub supposed to be playing an Asian? Is that because like, his name, like his character's yeah. name is Ken, and like his fake name this. is Kwan. And every time he says his name, he does this weird look and he kind of like squints, which is uh, a little iffy to say the fucking least. I never noticed it before, but I noticed it this morning when I watched it. But um, that aside, his character is so funny because he's clearly like stoned. Well, I was
3: I actually. Yeah,
0: there's that, several references to stone. I always
3: just assume that he's supposed to be high, super high through this whole movie because he's always eating. Right. Well, and that was always, the, and just his casual, like, Hey guys, like that, yeah. that. I mean, you never see him actually taking anything like that in the movie, but I think that's the strong implication.
1: Yeah. There was a, I think honestly I it was Hollywood reporter that at the 20 year anniversary of the film did a really great, um oral history and he talked about how his character basically played like it was like a you know he he wasn't really high anymore but he had just smoked his brain away and like (laughs) you know like through the 70s and 80s and like as a celebrity had just like he was like completely zoned out stoned out and then also on top of that i think that he was like experiencing some level of you know trauma like he was in shock um too you know i think that he's like accepting everything because he's just like completely out of it
0: yeah yeah that's fair yeah, th- there's a literal line where I think it's Guy Rockwell's character yeah, yeah. said, "Are he's you stoned?" You stones, right so. the end of the movie,
1: which is like the, <laughs> yeah. pr- the best time to put that role because like, you yeah. put that line because yeah. the whole movie you're like, "What is with this guy?" And for yeah. the guy to finally ask the thing at the end, like, "Are you stoned?" Like, you're yeah.
3: wondering. My one right. of my one of the things, I like, I think the character of Guy is necessary, and I think he se- steals a lot of scenes. And I mean, he's the he's the audience stand-in, right? He's not a part of this crew that knows yep. each other so well. And he says the things that we as as fans would say in these circumstances or he asks the questions or they yeah. explain stuff to him, what they're really explaining it to us. And it's like, I love when they go to get the Beryllium Sphere and they just open up the ship and he's like, what are you doing? You don't know if there's air out <laughs> there. And then. That's a good point. That whole thing, the right. miners, not miners, and then they're, they're, you know, Sigourney Weaver's character's like, oh, they're cute little aliens, and he's like, yeah, they're cute now, but then there's going to be hundreds of them. And then do you guys even like,
1: watch your? Do you guys even
3: watch this show? <laughs> That's a great
0: line. <laughs> that, that is a good line.
3: And they're like, <laughs> guy, you're going to be fine. And he's like, yeah. What's my last name? I'm not even important enough to need one. I'm going to be dead before the first commercial. It's like just everything you ever wanted to say to the characters of those shows like it's just so perfect you can tell that the writers of this show of yeah. this movie are clearly clearly huge fans of star trek and babylon 5 and Battlestar galactica and and all the other sci-fi shows that came in the 70s and 80s like there's this love this clear understanding and love of the show but they're not doing like the jokes aren't at the expense of, of being mean. They're not like, mm-hmm. ha look, that guy's a nerd. Let's laugh at him. It's they're making fun of the little details of their own love. But at yeah. the same time, they're pointing out the ridiculousness in ways that are interesting. Like at the end when they have to uh, Tim Allen and Scorny Weaver have to run through that corridor that's got all the pounding things <laughs> and she's like, there's no reason for this to be here. Like, why is this here? But again, it's one of those things from the TV show where you have to create peril in every episode.
0: Right. So it's just, Ah, it's so that's a great point. Yeah, Great yeah. peril constantly. Great, terrible peril. Uh, David Howard wrote the story and Robert Gordon wrote the screenplay. Uh, I'm not really familiar with them. The only thing I knew beyond that was Robert Gordon also wrote Men in Black 2. So that's really the extent Ooh, yeah.
1: Yeah. of
0: their careers. Uh,
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know much about either one of them otherwise, but yeah, the writing is, the writing is next level on this one, even if at times it's too hokey and it there are points where I'm like, get over yourself. And, and they're trying to make points with how cynical the actors are about their careers, about how dedicated they are to wanting to fulfill the roles. Like like Tim Allen, the commander, wants to really do this. He's just an actor, though. And the line of going back and forth between being actors and how long they decide whether or not to tell the aliens that they're just actors, that these historical documents mm-hmm. are just television. no.
2: Oh. The ship uh, was this big. Oh.
0: <laughs> Good God!
1: Yeah, oh, that, Colantini is so funny. Oh, in this. He, he is. Again. He's really so
0: funny in this. Yeah. But sorry. Keep going. He's no. He's no. That's it though. It's like some of it drags a little bit. It's like just you know, tell them the truth. Or they made it so. You have such a stupid movie, and when it gets so real when Sarah has them on lockdown and he's up on the the torture bed there and they finally tell him the truth that they are just TV actors. Uh, I I thought it was, it didn't really land as well for me. Like this is so serious just for me. That's how I saw it.
1: Let me give you an example. I mean, I'm not going to argue against that, but let me give you an example of what I think is really, really great writing in this movie. Uh, which is the constant return of the by grab thars hammer line (laughs) (laughs) by grab thars hammer what a savings savings. funny and like we're it's set up real early throughout the movie that he hates saying this tagline he doesn't want to say the tagline he doesn't want to hear other people say the tagline to him but when he Mm -hmm. finally utters it in the movie and you're not, I wish that you were a little more connected to the character that that, that, that dies. I think they could have made that connection a little, a little stronger. But mm. I think that's pretty well done to like, to put him to the point where like, not only does he say it, like he says it with conviction and it has, it's like an, an important and crucial thing for this person to hear as they die. Like, I think it's actually pretty powerful. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's, that was done better. If you're going to compare those two, and those are fair comparisons. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that the end for that character and the eventual arc of Rickman's character getting to that point, even saying, "Let's say the mantras they try to unlock the uh, door to get
2: more
1: oxygen." <laughs> That's right, I forgot.
0: Yeah, you're right. They're like they're building towards that, and that guy's yeah. so earnest that right. that actually comes off fair. I'll give you that. Yeah.
3: Um, one of my uh, favorite little Easter eggs to do with this movie is actually on the DVD, and I assume it's on the Blu-ray as well. I've never upgraded my copy, but. With many uh, DVD and Blu-ray purchases, they have a second audio program in SAP where you can get the movie dubbed in another language. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Canada, it's almost always in French. And I know with the US, it's often in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, with this movie, they have an audio track option where you can play it the entire movie. It's overdubbed in the alien language. So the entire movie is just...
2: It's and 45 That's
0: minutes of so just funny.
3: that so it's, that's hardcore
2: like, dedication
3: the, oh it is like i thought oh well, this will be funny for a few minutes and it was and then you're like oh my god this is like goes on and on and on so it's, it's just again it's one of those somebody had way too much time yeah and they thought let's just throw this on here as a little wink wink bonus and it's always been one of my all-time favorite easter eggs on the dvd
1: and i love that someone got paid to do all that so oh, of for course them. good day of work for them
2: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what happened it's so funny you're right it, it's such a this is a bizarre movie at times it really is it, it all the layers are really quite textured and you wouldn't know that you really know that from looking at this like looking at the posters and you know sigourney weaver's cleavage uh but you, i think <laughs> yeah. can you not be tied in to the star trek culture and really appreciate this movie or, or does it really matter
1: i think it I think it helps, but I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not the world's biggest star Trek guy and uh, you know, but I am a big sci-fi guy. So.
3: I, I think it's like any other, um, any other homage or send up or parody. Yeah. If you know, and are familiar with the the property that they're, that they're sending up, you're going to get more out of it. But if it's a quality product in this case, if this movie is a quality movie, you don't need to have that background to understand it and to get the most out of it. And I think this movie does a very good job of, of setting the stage. So if you, even if you've never seen a star Trek episode, you've never watched it, you're not very familiar with it, or maybe you don't know anything about it at all. I think it, 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 it lays the seeds pretty strongly at the beginning to explain what had happened. They're washed up actors. They mm-hmm. were in this show. It's been 20 years. They're still trying to hold on to this one little piece of glory that they had. They've memorized dialogues. They know like, remember that thing in episode 81, they know the episode <laughs> numbers. Like clearly this was the best their career ever got. And at 20 years later, they're still trying to cling to that tiny bit of, of fame. And then the movie goes from there and it, it's a send up of that. And uh, so I, mm-hmm. I think it works w- w- in both ways.
1: I also want to say, I think that this movie has my favorite product placement in it of all time, which is when they're crashing on the planet and uh, Fred is eating the handy snacks. like the little He's, putting the, <laughs> he's spreading the little thing of cheese with a little plastic <laughs> on the cracker and eating while everybody else is freaking out. That is so fucking funny. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> a handy snack
0: of all things. When he, Laredo he has to drive for the first time, fly the ship out of the (laughs) garage, if you will, out of the spaceport, Uh, that is, that's really good. I'm not even into Star Trek at all either, but imagining that you, they've faked this stuff for years, and now they're, I mean, it's just as you have it designed (laughs) on the set. That's how it works. So you got to, like, let that go and just say, yeah, well, I'll just do what I did on the set, and it'll drive the thing. But the fact that he's moving this, spaceship, and it's dragging against the wall there. It's mm-hmm. a, he's embarrassed, they're all nervous. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll give the movie props for that. We have a
1: early rain Wilson hanging out in the back, waiting for us to notice that he's going to be famous someday.
0: Yeah, that's right. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he's just chilling. He's, he's got like one line. Yeah, I think he does. He introduces himself as some type of person that runs something and then ends up not really having much to say for the rest
1: of the movie. It's like, yeah. oh, that's too bad.
0: Also, uh, you look through the IMDb trivia and all this stuff. Supposedly, this was a darker movie. Uh, There was a much darker tone, but they cut it down to PG after test audiences didn't like it. Uh, I wonder what that movie would have been.
1: That may have been the right call. This movie did not need darkness. No. I I don't think.
3: But i noticed when i rewatched it
1: this week there were a few scenes
3: where the language had clearly been overdubbed like sigourney weaver <laughs> clearly uses the f-word at one point and you <laughs> can screw read her in. lips and they yeah. changed to screw this instead of f this like it, they didn't even make any effort to hide it and there, i found uh, there was two not three at all. points in the movie where i noticed that you could clearly see the lips saying a stronger curse word and it was dubbed <laughs> It like they clearly did an overdub where they they uh, changed it to something a little more fan friendly, family friendly to get that lower rating.
0: Yeah, That's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. There's also, so Sigourney Weaver's character is a clear homage to the, I don't know her name, but she's a Star Trek girl who got probably way too much fandom and obsession thrown her way. She was a beautiful woman, but she well, was next a, generation. They, yeah, I believe it was next generation. Star Trekies would know more about that than I would, but a lot of that character is very real too, and I actually thought a lot about that after the fact. That, a seven of nine, right? Isn't that what it is, Derek? Seven of nine. Yep. That's the uh,
3: yep. I assume that's who that's supposed to be a, a, a send up of. Yeah,
0: Jerry Ryan's her real name. Yeah, yeah. that's her name. Yeah.
2: So. yeah. yeah. Um.
0: Uh, well, uh, anything else, guys? Uh, we're almost getting to that point where we gotta.
2: I,
1: call found, it out. I found it really convenient of the minds to go easy on um on the Galaxy Quest crew and then kill everyone from the alien from the bad alien side. That was nice of the minds. <laughs> <That's, laughs> yeah. That's, like, that's they drive really the whole thing, it, it just doesn't really affect them. It's just an unpleasant it's like a bumpy trip. And then they gather them all up and throw them at the other aliens and it kills them all. I'm like, oh okay. That's convenient, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, hey. hey that's, fine. that's fine. It's that kind that's of fine.
0: movie. Yeah. It's all good,
1: right? Yeah. 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 My grandpa's a gra- hammer.
0: <laughs> My Uh Derek, I... yeah, before we go into it, uh, is there anything else we didn't cover? You selected this movie so I want to make sure we get you on the record while you are a very special guest for the Pop Your World show. Uh
3: no, I think we did a pretty good examination here, a good deep dive. I again, I I, I love this movie. I've seen it probably between 10 and 20 times. Um I, I mean, I've seen all put a list together not too long ago of movies i've seen more than 25 times and it's a ridiculously long list so when i say i've seen a movie 10 or 15 times that that's not really a big deal in my overall movie watching but but this one's a strange wilderness
0: no i
1: haven't <laughs> <laughs> stop pushing this movie no one likes it but you
0: yeah that's it it's a movie but, i've seen more than 25 times that's a-
3: fair enough fair enough but no i i mean i love this movie i've seen it many times i think it's got a lot of great quotes a lot of repeatable quotes it, it's there's a lot of lines from this movie that are repeated in my household many times as certain circumstances come up i think sam rockwell steals almost every scene he's in he's got yeah. some of the funniest bits of dialogue but this movie's great start to finish you know sometimes you watch a movie and you're like well it's good but the, the last 20 minutes kind of sucked or oh there's that part in the middle where i just fast forward when i watch it There's none of that in here. In my opinion, I I like it start to finish. Every scene has a purpose. I don't really think there's uh, huge sections that you could cut. I mean, you might be able to trim a few seconds out of some scenes, but overall, I think it's it's solid. It holds, I think it holds up quite well, even though it's 20 years old for all the reasons we talked about. And I would definitely recommend this to, to, to a lot of younger people as you talked about earlier with fandom, it's like the parents are thrusting upon their children here. These are the things that I love. You need to watch them. And a lot of them without that context of what the parents have from their life experience, things don't hold up. I I think this one actually would and does very well. So I would certainly have no issues recommending this to younger people today. Um, I think it's great. I love it.
0: You just reminded me of uh, never give up, never surrender. That was something I swore. Like, I just, is that taken from something else? Because it was so common to me. Maybe it's just a phrase that people say anyways. That's why it's easy to remember. But I started to mix it up with the Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. And I'm like, Tim Allen has like these mega one-liners of film history, which is kind of weird because he's not a, Tim Allen's not a great actor, but he's not a terrible actor either. I mean, he's a, he's like right down the middle. He really is, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I, I, honestly, when he was on TV doing Home Improvements, it was never a show I really enjoyed. But I, I seem to remember him getting nominated for awards for that.
1: Yeah, and the
3: show ran forever, so he, obviously there was a big enough fan base between the performers and the and the writers and the quality of that show. But uh, I, I one of the things I did think was funny was at the very beginning they show us what what the show was like twenty years earlier, which I guess at the time <laughs> would have been like the early eighties or the yeah. late. Growing a mullet <laughs> and the hair. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think that they did a really good job of showing what these characters could have, or were supposed to have looked like back then versus how they look now. And I think they all look better now, <laughs> at, at least the, the the older versions of themselves. Yes. So, you know, whether or not that's the case with, with Hollywood people, but uh, I, I always thought that was a good little uh, wink, wink, the idea that they had like terrible seventies, eighties hair at the start.
0: Well, uh, Travis, you want to go next? Um, sure. You know,
1: to, to stay on Tim Allen for a second, I I I, I do take issue with like, um, oh, I had like a 10 year show that got canceled and I'm going to blame politics. Like what the, what the fuck ever, dude? Stop. Stop with that. Uh, I wish you, you know, uh, but yeah. I, I sure I sure like him as an actor. I think that he is an extremely I think he's really natural, easy to watch kind of guy. And I, and I kind of miss him a little bit between watching this. And uh, Santa Claus this week, I was reminded, you know, in my Tim Allen week that, uh, yeah, I think that he's a, I think he's a real kind of, I think he, he think he's a good movie star. He's very, he's like unassuming, you know, he's every man, like, I I don't know. And I think that he did a good job here. And I think that the movie, I I do think that uh, towards the end of the film, it does kind of start to wear out its welcome a little bit I'm like okay I'm like ready for you to wrap this up now Galaxy Quest and it's not that long of a movie either so I do think (laughs) I do think I'm kind of done with it before it's done with me but uh, as I was saying last week typically you know when I watch these films and I'm asking whether or not it holds up as I'm watching it I can answer the question and as I was watching this I'm like yeah this this holds up this movie still still funny still good still still looks really good the special effects I mean like it it for being uh, over 20 years old, it really looks just fine on my TV now. Like, I mean, does it look dated at all really? Um, And uh, it's topical. It's funny. You get, you get people, some really talented actors just having fun together, clearly having fun working together. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I still really like galaxy quest. It holds up.
0: There it is. Travis and Derek have spoken and I will finish by saying, yeah, Tim Allen's a weird. Uh, he's like a he's a weird dude in the stratosphere of Hollywood history to me. A little bit. He's he stand he's unique, I guess in a way. That would be a better description. Even though he's pretty bland at t- I mean, he's just like rock solid. He's just there, you know. He's he's funny, he could be charming. Uh you know, he looks handsome. He's not a grotesque human being <laughs> for the most part. Uh, for the most part. He, yeah, he's just like a—he's rock solid, but he, in that way, he is kind of unique in not having like really defining specialties about him that some other actors may have, like a Tom Cruise or a Denzel Washington or something. I don't know, but uh, there is something about him that you will gravitate to, and even if he has, you know. He's got political views now where he makes things are divisive. Yeah. When he was doing Home Improvement, it was just a show and it was just a guy and those things didn't exist. It didn't seem like back then. No one
1: talked about him. That was great. Remember?
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's how I remember. Then again, I was a teenager and I was clueless. So you know, things change. But Ooh. as far as this film goes, I think you made the right call here, Derek. This is really, really meta movie. It's one of the most meta movies we've done. I'm going to stand behind that. Nice. And I wasn't expecting that. So well, I'm any glad we can pull that off. Yeah. Anytime we can pull that off. I say kudos. So I'm going to say it holds up too. I, I will. I will say that. And I'm not even a big fan of this type of stuff. I'm really not. But I am a fan of comedy and spoofs and attempts to like take things and kind of flip them over and reverse them and put them into flip mode as Buster Rhymes used to say back in the 90s. I think so we'll Michael. Sorry, Sorry, let
3: me ask you, Mike. If you uh, if you had to give this movie a score out of ten, what would you as as someone who came to it new today, like this was your first time seeing it, what would you give it?
0: I think a seven out of ten is solid.
3: That's fair. What about you, Travis? You've seen it before. What do you give it? A, now that you've rewatched it recently,
2: yeah,
1: seven sounds good. I think that's actually what I gave it on IMDb. Yeah, and I I oh. I'd
3: go probably a little higher, probably seven and a half for me. But yeah, I think that's right in the right ballpark. So we all seem to be in about the same place
1: with this. Yeah. 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 I'm not getting any Galaxy Quest tattoos. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's 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 a it's a totally enjoyable movie.
2: Well, I
0: mean we'll always have this. I
1: kind of mm-hmm. like it better for those that are listening, not watching. Mike has the images behind him, and he's arranged it in just such a way so that <laughs> he sits perfectly still. It looks like he has luxurious long blonde hair, and uh Alan Rickman <laughs> and Tim Allen are locked up on either side of him Charlie's angel style it really looks perfect uh, we should make that the uh the image for the YouTube
0: if you want to see this you can always check out our YouTube channel subscribe to it and whenever we go live which is once a week on Thursdays around 7 15 p.m that's usually when we go live you can see it and all our old episodes going way back are available on the YouTube channel so Derek Myers, though you are the guest of honor, you've done us proud. You certainly are clearly among our class of movie aficionados, cinephiles, movie buffs. You definitely belong here. Uh, um, tell you us,
1: could, you yeah. could like Fright Night more.
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's,
3: that's that's fair. That. <laughs> uh Oh, that's other than that. You know, well. I mean, you'll have to go back and listen to the latest episode of Pop Goes Your World and and get my full take on it. I don't hate it. I have some I have some critiques, which I think I articulated pretty well on the show. You but, did, and uh, I do
1: recommend listening to the episode. It was a good episode,
3: and I appreciate that. So, for everyone listening, uh, please check us out. Pop Goes Your World. We we do it usually. We do a new episode every week. It drops very late Thursday night, very early Friday morning. And uh, we're on a, a hiatus for a couple of weeks over the Christmas break, but come January, we'll do our, uh, 2021 year in review. Then we're right back into our usual stick. So, uh, guys, thanks for having me on the show. Hey, I had a great time. Uh, if you ever want me to come in, I'd be happy to come back. Uh, whether you want me to recommend a movie or whether you've got a movie, you just need someone to come and, and chat about it. Um, I I've been listening to all your, your back episodes, and I'm shocked at how close our, our movie tastes are. You have a lot of, really obscure deep cut movies on your, on your list that I love, like the fire in the sky that, that you did a few weeks ago. That's like one of my guilty pleasure movies. Uh, you did just friends last week. Again, a movie I love. Yeah. You guys, you do a great job here. I, I, I we give your show a plug on our show a fair, fairly often. You guys do great thanks, work. Man. So thanks. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on.
0: It's good to have you. Absolutely, Derek. Thank you. Yeah, you're a good American, even though you're Canadian, but you're a good human being. (laughs) Don't don't, don't throw that Uh, at him. It doesn't. doesn't, Well, we're all Americans. Yeah, we're all North Americans. Uh, uh, But before we go, Travis, uh, you are back on the board for next week's selection. What will it be?
1: Well, um, so I have got two movies in mind, both New Year's Eve themed. One which I haven't seen since it came out, I think in '95. And one that I've seen almost every year since it came out in 95. And uh, I've really kind of like mm, all week been like, which one should I go with? Because I generally on the show try not to pick movies that I love because I just can't stand to like have to like hear them get torn to shreds. Sometimes
3: I I wrote down my guess of what I think you're going to pick based on what you just said.
1: Okay. And um, I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, so I, I've I'm I, I'm gonna take a tip from you, Derek, who's picked a movie that you love to bring on the show. And last week, Mike, you brought a movie that you loved on the show for the holidays. And so I will do the movie that I love uh, from 1995. I am choosing While You Were Sleeping. Oh,
2: wow! While you I, were sleeping, it
3: takes place I, in the... I,
1: I thought you were going with Strange Days when you said New <laughs> nope. Year's Eve. Nope, not Strange Days. I think that was '95 as well. That's it was incredible.
3: also '95. I'm like, oh, I know exactly where. You're wow,
1: going. <laughs>
3: your pick is a good one too. I, believe it or not, I've seen that one at least five or six times. It was in heavy rotation at Blockbuster.
1: I I love while you were sleeping. Um, I'm gonna. I and I, I watch it every year between Christmas and Thanksgiving or Christmas and New Year's because that's when it, it takes place. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'm gonna watch it again this year, and I'll watch it with you guys. And we haven't done a lot of romantic comedies on the show, to be honest. No. Other, than, other than just Friends. Um, That's true. So we really. So I I decided a while ago, but um, yeah, it's a genre we should probably ch- check
0: in with more often. Yeah, the Bill Pullman, Peter Gallagher, right? Is this true? This is true. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Peter
3: Gallagher appearing in recent episodes of Grey's Anatomy. No He's still looking great, that guy. Still, still foot long eyebrows.
0: Yeah, Grey's course, Anatomy like. still is a current show. Like, believe Omnia.
3: it or not, yeah, it's one but, of the only new shows that I still watch. And at this point, I'm
1: I'm so invested. I just need to see how it finally ends. Wh- what lasted longer, <laughs> Grey's Anatomy or the war in Afghanistan? <laughs> uh
3: <laughs> I don't know, oh, we'll you let you, sure. we'll let you know I, when they're both over.
0: <laughs> very close. It's very close. No, wow. sleep
3: is a good pick. I, I I rewatched it a couple of years ago, and I I enjoy the rewatch. It was I thought it held up then, but again. I'm ready a, to talk it a about shot. it. I'm looking I'm forward to hearing what you guys have to say next week. I may have to find a copy and watch it before awesome. next week's show so that I can be fully versed before.
1: There I you go. That's how to do it. I, I, and I'm ready to endure Eric's insults of this fine film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, have, uh, I have a very specific story. I remember the first time I saw this, and I will tell oh. that story next week. It's very, very detailed. So okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I can remember it very well. Uh, Yeah, so I'll tell that story next week. We'll cover while you were sleeping. Don't forget, Pop Goes Your World, Derek and Chris. They're awesome dudes. They really have a good time. They're funny. Uh, Chris's dad jokes are the worst you'll ever hear. So if you're into that stuff, just, just settle in. Just let it happen. It's going to happen. But uh, no, he's a really funny guy overall. He's a good man. And so are you, Derek. So thanks for joining us on Cinema 9. That's it for this week's show. And uh, we'll catch you next week for While You Were Sleeping.